0: Welcome to the monthly SkillBytes show, where we share information that is geared to helping you succeed in your business. This is Judy Weintraub, CEO of SkillBytes and host of this show. If you want to position yourself as an expert, one of the best ways to do that is to become a published author. SkillBytes' author platform provides the easiest way to get a book written and published. I am very excited with today's speaker. We have Carol Abrahamson with us. She is not only a best-selling author, she is also the owner of Executive Authors. She works with high-level authors to help them get their business books published. Carol is a high-energy and passionate evangelist about a book's impact on a career or business. Having written several bestsellers herself, earning well over seven figures from her books, Carol helps executives and professionals understand how to leverage a book to grow their business. And that's what she's going to be doing with us today, sharing some of her expertise on that subject. Carol, I'm so pleased to have you on the call today.
1: Well, I'm thrilled to be here, Judy.
0: I would like you to start off, if you could, um, if you could explain... What makes a business author different from say a different a, a, another author that puts out a nonfiction book
1: well um the average nonfiction author and let's give some examples there might be someone who writes anything from a cookbook or a um uh, a biography of a of pers- of a person it's certainly um Uh, nonfiction, if they're sticking with the facts and not being too creative uh, with their rendition of of someone's life. Um, And, of course, those types of authors, the only way they get a return on their investment that's uh, a monetary return is to sell a lot of books. Well, and, of course, the truth of the matter is very few nonfiction authors ever sell a lot of books. Uh, Cookbooks might be an exception, especially if you have a TV show, but... um, in general, the way the statistics work is the uh, average nonfiction author has a higher chance of winning over a million dollars in the lottery than they have of selling two thousand books, and that's been a fact for years here in America. Wow. But the nonfiction author has a wonderful or the business nonfiction author has a wonderful opportunity of getting business results from their book so that whether they sell a lot of books, or not, whether they give a lot of books away, um, or whether they do some kind of mix of selling and giving away, they always have. That's just the tip of the iceberg, and they always have the big iceberg available, of whatever it is that their business does. Whether they are a retailer selling products, selling services, they're a professional, they're a doctor, a consultant, a coach, whatever. Um, for them, the the big win is when. Someone who's uh, maybe met them through their book uh, decides to buy what costs a whole lot more than that 9 or 19 or $29 book does. So this all involves um, what's called the funnel theory of marketing that many of you have probably heard about, where if you look at your whole business marketing effort, including the part that involves your book, as a funnel with a wide top and a narrow bottom. And so the goal is is to get people into your funnel, people who are prospects or people who might recommend you to other prospects like the media um, or influencers of one type or another in your industry. So the goal is is to get them into the top of the funnel where there are lots of people hovering around and it's usually... For most businesses, it's usually free to get into the top of that funnel. It's free because you've given them something. Um, You've given them information. You've maybe given them a book. Maybe they're on your e-list and you give them a free newsletter. Um, You know, through one means or another, your business has touched them and you have a way of communicating with them and by virtue of that, they are in your funnel. And then perhaps your book comes along as the funnel starts getting a little bit narrower, your book, which is normally a relatively low-priced item, that comes along. And so they have a chance to move from being free in your funnel to being at the level where they've bought a book. And then, of course, where you really cash in is as they go lower in the funnel and they're buying your other products and services that cost probably way more than your book did. So that whole funnel theory of marketing is just a way of looking at how you manage your prospects and the influencers to your prospects. Um, You manage those relationships and end up monetizing them by the time you get to the bottom of the funnel. So I hope that helps um, because then it's just such an important benefit for authors who use a book for their business that other nonfiction authors Uh, never even come close to having.
0: Great. Well, I know that that's the primary objective of a lot of the SkillBytes authors is to use their book to help them not only to build a list to get people into their funnel, but also to convert those people into uh, customers for their higher priced products and services. Ah, great. Great. I understand that when you're working with your clients, you take them through a four-step strategic decision-making process um concerning their their writing of their book. Could you share that with our listeners?
1: Sure, absolutely. Um these are kind of the four foundational decisions um that I've discovered uh work for people who are using their book for their business. And they are only the first four of dozens of strategic decisions that the whole book project involves. But because they are the first ones, they are the key ones. So for those of you who have a book to start in mind, um, the first step would be is to identify your business goals that you want from your book. And by that, of course, as Judy mentioned, um, Just now, that includes everything from getting new customers or entering a new business or getting speaking and teaching opportunities or media invitations or honors or awards, you know, many, many kinds of business goals. And everything revolves around the business goals you want from your book. So you start with identifying those business goals and identify them so that they're measurable. By being measurable, you then know at any given point in time if you've achieved them or not. It's very clear. You're either there or you're not there. So business goals like how many new customers or how much new revenues or um, a certain kind of invitation that you're looking for from an organization or an educational institution. Um, whatever it is to make your goals measurable and to also um, uh, put them in a timeline of first year, second year, and long term. Because some of the things that you're going to hope your book will accomplish for your business are not going to be one to, first year wonders. They're going to take longer to percolate or something else is going to have to happen first. You know, you'll have to have meet an intermediate goal, for instance, in order to get someone's attention or to have a certain level of visibility that will then lead to the long-term goal you've identified. So we always start with those business goals, those measurable business goals, and we prioritize them, and we look to how are we going to achieve them and how are in terms of process, and how are we going to measure them, what are we going to calculate, or what data are we going to collect, or notes, to be keeping in an ongoing memo to ourselves.
0: Um, Do you have a recommendation regarding how many goals you should have?
1: No, I. You know, that's an interesting question. I never thought of it in that way, Judy. And when I think about my clients, um, I have a, some clients that uh, only have a couple of goals and others that have long, long lists. But even with the long lists they're often related or they're stepping stones to each other. And so um, by prioritizing them, someone can, whether it's a long list or a short list, they can stop wherever they want to cut cut off on the budget or cut off on their time investment because the most important ones will be on top. But I had never really thought about... Um, trying to structure a goals list into just a maximum number or a certain number of goals.
0: I was just wondering if you thought that, you know, if somebody has five, is that too many? But I, I gather there's, there's not really a, a ceiling on that.
1: There isn't, because some are really big and take a lot to accomplish, and others are really not very big. And so I just don't have anything in mind in my experience. Um, that's kind of the ideal size and shape. Okay. The business goals. So the way that this is different from a lot of what um other nonfiction authors decide with their books is you're not focusing on content. Content and topics is not that's not the game. The game is the goals. Um, we'll get down to the topics later. Um, and the content, but by starting with your business goals, then you're that much more likely to be able to stay focused on them and make the topical decisions down the road that will goals so setting big, your business goals is the first of the four now, the second of the four strategic decisions is target audiences who are related to the goals that you just identified. Forget any of the other target audiences in your world, any customers, clients, prospects, whatever, who are not related to the goals that you want your book to deliver to you. Um, those folks won't have any any part in any of the next hundred <laughs> decisions you make for your book over the next year. Um, it's really the ones who are either the influencers or the actual kind of um gatekeepers to making your goals happen that you really want to focus on. So that's big foundational strategic decision number two. Then number three is to identify the topics that those particular audiences will appreciate learning from you. So maybe it's something that you already know that you that, that solves the problem for them or uh, helps give them a new point of view that can move them to the next level uh, that they're trying to achieve. Um, Or maybe it's not something you already know, but it's something you'd like to learn and like to do some research about, put some information together about. Either way, um, if you want the maximum efficiency in having your book work for your business, you need to be sure that your topics relate directly or will help the target audiences who relate directly to your goals. So even if your content and your topics have been handled by other authors, let's say you go to Amazon.com or some other bookseller, um, and you see that there are other topics out there, if your particular audience is still struggling with an issue or a problem that you want to deliver the answer to, even if that answer is already out there somewhere else, if it's not getting to your target audience, for you, the prize is that you get to be the one who delivers it to them, and you get to be the hero if you write the book about that topic. So I don't spend a lot of time looking at what's already been published in a field. I, we spend a little bit and take a look and have a broad sense of what's going on out there, but we would never have whatever's at Amazon.com have us eliminate a topic that we genuinely believe
0: Yeah, in fact, I've heard it um, said that the more that's out there, the more likely it's a good topic because there's a lot of people interested in that topic.
1: Exactly. It's a little
0: counterintuitive, but if there's nothing out there, there might not be anybody interested in that topic, so you might not want to delve into it.
1: Exactly, yes. That's a great point. Absolutely. So... As you identify your target audiences, you really need to understand what their issues are, what are they struggling with, what are they their problems, their dreams, their hopes. I mean, you can profile them in any number of ways that could help you then determine which topics will be really powerful for them and make you the hero in their world that then gives you, you know, top share of mind in their brain when they're thinking about your profession, your professional area, and um, leads them to want an ongoing relationship with you and builds their interest in buying other things from you besides the book. So that's number three. And then number four is to identify your book type, which kind of goes hand in glove with the topic. It's hard to have a type without a topic, similarly a topic without a type, Let me explain in three or four sentences what I mean by book type. A book type determines the format of your book, its point of view, and its voice. So, for instance, uh, one type of book is, you know, questions to ask before doing something. Another type of book is lessons to learn or mistakes to avoid or case studies of how a certain problem got handled within an industry. And so each of those book types have a different format, a different point of view, and a different voice. Now, Judy mentioned to me that most of you are interested in how-to books. There are lots and lots of types of how-to books. I've identified, and will soon have a book coming out, about 111 types of how-to books for building your business and your brand. And I'd be happy to share that list with you if any of you want to send me an email. At carol, it's My email address is carol, C-A-R-O-L, at executiveauthors, and authors is plural, dot com. Send me an email, and in about two weeks, I will have a proofed version of those 111 types, plus two examples that are at Amazon.com of each one, so that you can see a little bit of the variety of how how the, the types play out. But... At any rate, book type is uh, goes with the topic. So whether you're doing an industry timeline or how to fix something, how to prevent something, how to avoid something, how to master something, you know, a book about, you know, such and such kind of mastery, um, uh, a book type becomes inherent in your decision about topic and how you're going to approach your topic. So... That becomes um, kind of the fourth foundational strategic decision. Um, And I will say, just as a small PS, uh, some book types inherently require more writing time than others, and so in my list of types, I also have a, a little clock icon code that I use to identify the two dozen of the 111 that take much less writing time than the others. And you might be interested in focusing on them. Um, You know, if, if indeed that's a possibility with the topic that you feel is the best topic for your audience.
0: Carol, do you have any pointers for figuring out which type somebody ought to use?
1: Well, I, I I don't. um, Again, it's, some of it is, you know, what comes naturally to you because this needs to be your voice, your book. You want it to be fairly efficient to get out of your head and onto the paper and get it, get it done so that it can come out in the world. Um, and this, too, might be a place where some research at Amazon.com is helpful so that you can see if there are already a lot of um, mistakes to avoid. books in your space uh, at Amazon.com or about your topic, I should say. Um, you might, if you if you feel like the mistakes that you know about are if, are not that different from what the other books already include, you might want to take a different tack and go with a different, um, you know, instead of how to avoid a problem, you might want to um, choose a type that just has a different tone to it. Um, uh, for instance, I had a client who wrote a book called How to Hire a Nanny, and right away I went to Amazon.com. I saw 12 books on How to Hire a Nanny. Well, okay, so immediately some of these authors had some of the same ideas, and each of those books probably had a few unique ideas that that were not in any of the others. But it just seemed a little bit odd to me that this huge space of you know working with a nanny as a working lawyer or a working physician or Um, you know, a working mom that uh, wants to bring a nanny into their household, how there was this big cluster of books about the hiring side, but nobody was covering, you know, what do you do with the nanny when you get her, him or her, and the mistakes to avoid or tips on managing the process or even what to expect to pay, Um, you know, and, and and But the actual cost is once they're in your home doing their work, some of the add-on kind of invisible costs that are inherent with a nanny relationship. So I found that sort of odd. But my client already had her book written by the time she got to me, so that was a done deal. But if if she and I had talked earlier in the process, I would have invited her to think about some other approaches to that whole nanny-mom um or nanny employer kind of relationship um where she might add additional value to her prospects um, by t- um taking a different angle to the material um, so I think is there anything else I should say about book types i mean how to oh, I know another point I wanted to make how to books are definitely popular. They are the types of books that always, always, always dominate the bestseller lists. So they are a great um, kind of category of types to stay within and work within because typically people are exuberant book buyers um, when they have a problem they're trying to solve or something they're trying to learn and so that how-to category um, is just huge in the in the book-buying world, whether you're talking about e-books or printed books or audio books, whatever. Um, it's just a huge part of that, the book world.
0: That's great because uh, that's music to our ears for those of us who are writing how-to books. And I think um, you've hit the nail on the head. You need to find out what the problem is for your target market, because if you can solve that, you have people finding you instead of you having to find them,
1: yes, and it's so much easier when that happens.
0: Now, I understand that you have over fifty ways to leverage a book to grow a business.
1: Well, I put together fifty free ways I have I have seven hundred and fifty in my database. But I just pulled out the um forty five or fifty free ones for this call because I figured those would be the most of the most interest because some of the other ones you know vary in expense where you, you can't even really quantify the expense level until you know the size or the volume that you're going to be working with um but the free ones are. Obviously, very easy to know from a cost standpoint. So I wanted to focus on them in today's call. Terrific. So we why don't we start with the the tactics that you can use even before your book is written um, that you can use when you're in that pre-publication phase. Um, once you have a working title, and and you know even if your working title changes, that's fine. But once you have a working title, there are over a dozen ways that you can start publicizing your upcoming book. So let me run through those um, First of all, you can add it to your elevator speech that you're the author of the upcoming book, blah blah. You add it to your email signature um, add it to your voicemail greeting uh your business voicemail greeting that would be rather than um. Your personal one, of course. Um, Also, to add it to your marketing materials, um, you know, your newsletter, your e-zine, any brochures you have, white papers, postcards. You can always put in small print somewhere, you know, author of the upcoming book, blah, blah. And if you invest in having a cover design mocked up, In some of these places, like your email signature and your marketing materials, you could even have a small thumbnail of the cover if you wanted to. Um, You also want to mention your upcoming book in interviews. Um, In conversations you have with prospects, clients, and at networking events, you always want to mention that you've just finished or you're currently working on a book about such-and-so and in some of those conversations, rather than in writing, you may just want to um, describe what field your book is in, rather than literally give them the title. Somehow, popping off the title might seem a little bit stiff conversationally. You also want to be sure that everyone who invites your participation in their activities knows about your book. So, if somebody's calling and inviting you to be part of their, uh, to speak at their virtual conference. Um, and maybe the topic they have in mind for you to speak about has nothing to do with your book's topic, you still might want to let that person know about the topic of your book because they might change their mind about what they'd like you to talk about. And even if they don't, they'll be impressed that you're working on a book uh, relating to the industry. Um, Also, your press release. Uh, has a background information section at the very bottom of most press releases. You definitely want to mention the title in there and that it's a forthcoming book. Um, also in your media kit, which may include uh, bio, uh, may include uh, questions for uh, the media to ask you in an interview environment, a um, media kit is typically a lot more than just a press release. And so you want to have information about your forthcoming book on each of the freestanding items in your media kit where it makes sense to you know whether where it fits um the topic of, of uh of the media kit item. So for instance, where when I say where it makes sense, one place it might not make so much sense is if you do have a list of questions for a reporter to ask you that relates to your overall business. And if your book is only about a small part of your business, or maybe it's not about anything in your current business at all, but rather is about a new division of your business that you want to get started, where the book's going to be the first stepping stone of getting a new set of products and services launched. Well, in that case, that list of questions for the media yeah, it just may not be suitable to mention the topic of your forthcoming book on that particular item. If it's in your press release, if it's in your bio, if it's in other places, the reporter who's snooping around is going to see it. Um, but since it doesn't direct, if it doesn't directly apply to the expertise that's on that list of questions that you're proposing uh, for interviews, you probably want to leave it off. You also want to mention it in all of your introductions that people make as you're doing teleconferences, webinars, videos, and speeches, introductions that you have other people make the way that Judy introduced me at the beginning of this call. Plus, you want to be sure to mention it in all your conversations with speaking opportunity event planners and speaking opportunity hosts or producers to be sure they know about your book. They might think it would be a good item to put in the goodie bag for everyone at the event uh, to receive. Um, they might want to reshape the topic they ask you to cover in order to include some, some or all of the content of your book. You just never know how that piece of information that you give them might be able to be used if that's really of great benefit to you. So be sure to mention it. Also in your speeches themselves, you know, in the core of your speeches, it's it's um highly recommended that at least once or twice in a half hour speech you say something like, In my book, in my forthcoming book, I describe or I will describe or I will reveal or whatever. Um and to make mention of the book actually in your speeches or in any teaching that you get to do. And uh lastly, I would say uh, in your bios, certainly. On your website bios, at your association membership directories, for sure. Uh, Be sure that those bios cover info about your book. Slide presentations you make that have a bio at the front or the back end. Just be sure that you pop the title of your book in every every place possible. Now, another part of the whole pre-publication cycle for most authors involves social media between blogs, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Pinterest. Um, Almost every author is involved in at least one of those. And of course many authors are involved in many of them or even all of them. So pre-publication you could start and maintain a blog about your book and its contents and start building interest in it you know, from the moment you have a working title. You can also use your blog to collect comments about its ideas. Although I'd be a little cautious about that because if your blog readers are not part of your target audience, their ideas are more likely to send you in the wrong direction than put you in the right one. So I would always be a little bit careful about where you're soliciting Comments from. For the same reason, I think friends and family have no part in opinions about a book related to a business unless they are part of the target audience you're going after who's related to the business goals that you want to see happen. So then you've also in the social media space got the whole Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, LinkedIn um, uh, posting environment where you could provide occasional status updates about your book. Um, and again, if if any of the groups that follow you through those vehicles are parts of your target market, you might be able to get some input about your, your book title, your topics. You might even want to send them to uh, a survey um, by going using a vendor like SurveyMonkey if you've got a some choices in mind, multiple choices, and have some simple questions with the options listed, um, some of those groups of people uh, through your social media network might be perfect to invite uh, over to your SurveyMonkey page um, in order to actually log in an opinion uh, uh, or choices or preferences about some of the ideas you're thinking about for your topics, your title, Uh, one of my clients even did that with cover art. You know, she, uh, she, her graphic designer had several covers and she really didn't know which was going to ring the bell. So she went to her target market um, by printing out uh, literally pieces of paper with the sample covers and a little form of check boxes at the bottom about which cover people preferred. She's a cardiologist in uh, California It was her patients, she had some 300 patients, uh, fill out the survey form and basically choose her cover for her. Um, So it doesn't even have to be through a fancy vehicle like SurveyMonkey. It can be done quite simply if you're in touch with your target audience um, through just your day-to-day activities, Um, but certainly social media means, um, can be an important way of... uh, accessing some opinions that will be useful. Again, all in the pre-publication mode when you're making your decisions, you're doing your research, you're writing a book, um, thinking about what, uh, what additional ideas to build in, if any. Um, so that's kind of my universe of pre-publication tactics. And of course, every one of those Also apply once you've got your real title and your book is available. You also go back to each and every one of those, revise your bios, revise the marketing materials, email signatures, top to bottom, um, and be sure that you have the official title and information about where it's available um, in most, if not all, of those very same places that you had um, kind of left some pre-publication breadcrumbs for the world. Then post-publication, um, media outreach is a, an obvious and very important way of using your book to leverage your business. Um, you can create a one-sheet about your book and a one-sheet, now what I'm saying is O-N-E hyphen S-H-E-E-T, a one sheet. It's a kind of document. It's kind of jargon in in the media and the publication world. Um, A one sheet is not necessarily just one piece of paper. I see them often at six and seven pages each, but they're still called a one sheet. A one sheet is a summary of all the important things about a book and an author that a buyer might need to know. So it obviously has the title, the page count, the publication date, the publisher, the ISBN number, the price, a a picture of the cover, author name, author bio. It often has a brief table of contents of the key points listed. Sometimes there'll be a section in a one sheet of some of the most obvious uh, interview angles that the media might want to pursue if they were to write a story or make a mention of your book or interview you. So you might have five, six, seven, eight different um, topic titles that the book um, that your your book PR campaign is mixing and matching as you're working with bloggers and other media types to get your book reviewed and have it mentioned and be known to the world. So a one sheet is usually colorful because you've got the cover of the book and there's sometimes an author photo as well, a small little thumbnail, and that's typically in color rather than a black and white format. And it may be anywhere from one page to a half a dozen pages. A lot of them are on author websites that you, you may see links to A One sheet, if you go to uh, several book websites or book media kits, um, they'll have the one sheet as a separate link that you can download as a PDF, Um, but they really take many different shapes and forms. It's a very flexible format, and it's really designed to help the buyers of the book know everything they need to know, including where the book is available to buy. And there are samples all over the Internet, so if if you want to start collecting some samples in your industry, you can poke around in the websites of some of the most famous authors in your industry and probably uh, very quickly collect several. So you want to create a one-sheet for your book because the media will want that. Uh, It'll be the stat sheet that they use if they mention you or write an article about you. Um, and it's always good to have in hand because you may want to actually distribute distribute copies uh, to some of the people you meet at networking events or at speeches you give or classes you teach. So it's always good to have, um, have them like you have business cards with you at the ready to pass along to someone who has a particular interest in your book. Um, another media outreach tactic that's free as all of these are, is to outreach to the bloggers. Um, The blogger media is free to reach as opposed to the print and radio and TV media that typically uh, require a PR agency in order to reach efficiently. But the blogger media, um, they are easy to identify through Google searches and through the key luminaries in your industry. Um, Be sure that they know about your book. Contact them. Uh, See if they'd like to do an interview of you or do a profile story of one sort or another or mention your book or even review your book. Um, Also, besides the blogger media, you might want to go to the newsletter and e-zine publishers in your industry with the same type message to them about uh, seeing if you can attract some interviews, profile stories, book reviews, and mentions. Your joint venture partners also might want to interview you, uh, do, a, do an email about you to their e-list. Um, and so joint venture partners, by that I mean the people who you uh, partner with for certain projects, or f- whether they're marketing projects or content delivery projects. They're people that are basically your colleagues. They have their own business or maybe work for another company perhaps even a large company, um, but they align with you from time to time on um, special projects and you want to be sure that that you invite all of them to uh, cover you in any of the newsletters or e-zines or publications that they touch. You also want to issue a press release about the book's launch. Um, press releases, again, sample press releases are all over the internet Most book press releases are only one page, so they don't take a lot of effort to write. You know, 200, 250 words, um, double-spaced, with a background information paragraph at the bottom is the standard format. So to issue the press release and then to um, use the Internet to research some of the sites that will take press releases for free, um, and you can use it. You can distribute the press release through those sites, as well as, again, having it at the ready to hand out to local media that you might meet in your networking. Uh, to probably have it on the media kit part of your website, um, or your book book page on your web, the, the book page on your website. And the press release usually includes some comments from the author, one or two sentences about why the book is important or the problem the book's designed to solve. Um, you also want to be sure that the press release covers who the target market is for the book, where it's available to buy, its title, obviously, um, the author name, obviously. Some of these details sometimes get forgotten when I see the first draft of some people's press releases because they think everybody already knows them. but But no, they don't. The press release is supposed to be the beginning, middle, and the end of the most important things about the book. So you want to be sure you've got them all included. And if you're going to um, distribute your press release through some of the websites that um, are, are exist for the purpose of uh, being press release libraries, you want to be sure you create a keywords list for your release and put that at the bottom of the release. After the word keywords, it's a new paragraph capital K, keywords, colon, and then just list the keywords that are the... If, if someone were to be searching for information and to find you and your book, what would the keywords be that they might be searching with at Google? Those would be the same keywords that you'd put in the keywords section of a press release so that the press release site knows how to code your release to be sure that your release will come up in searches about your topic. You might want to also organize and produce a virtual blogger tour for shortly after your publication date. Now, the way that that works is a virtual blogger tour is an effort that you would organize or your virtual assistant or... uh, one of your other helpers, where you're coordinating the coverage that several bloggers are going to give your book. So you start by inviting the bloggers into the tour, telling them a little bit about the book, and finding out which ones would like to write about the book. And a virtual blogger tour is an effort to coordinate all within a very few days, never more than a week, and be sure that that coverage is all showing up. Within that short time span of days, um, it might be ideal to have one major blog covering each, each morning and then every morning during your tour period, let's say it's a four-week-day tour period, Monday through Thursday, of a week you've identified. And so ideally, you might want to have one major blog in your industry each morning writing about your book and then several minor blogs in your industry each day also committing to write about your book. Now, some of that writing might even be stories or articles that the blogger asks you to write and you just submit to them so that you then have full control over what they say. Others of them might just might be uh, you know, a short book review. They, they may take many different forms. Some may even be in-person Q&A interviews with you. Um, uh, so the real key of the tour is the organizational component and the coordination and the concentration in a very few number of days so that for everyone in their in your industry, it appears to them that everywhere they look during that week, they're seeing something about your book. So it's very intense, very concentrated. It's called a virtual blogger tour. There are some people who will, who, who charge... To set up these tours, I see the charges range from $1,000 to $1,500 to arrange a tour that might start with an initial list of inviting 50 or 60 bloggers and, and then narrowing it down to the ones who are interested in covering the book and then coordinating them during the right period of time. So if you do do a virtual blogger tour... You want to be sure that all of your followers know about it, all your social media followers, your prospects, your clients, your former clients, uh, vendors you use. You want to be sure, uh, during because that's going to be an important week for you. And so it's important that all the people in your world know about it. You also might want to subscribe to the free email services that list stories that reporters and journalists Are seeking sources for and then follow up in order to be interviewed and be included in those stories. There are three main such e newsletters that I know of that come out every single day um, and that have stories on every kind of topic you might imagine that journalists and reporters are starting to write about. And typically they have. Section. So if your story is about business management and leadership, the newsletter will typically have a section each day under that heading and list the 10 or 20 stories um, that are about that topic. And then they might have another heading about food, nutrition, and wellness and list those couple dozen stories of the day. And then maybe parenting and child rearing or, or childhood health um, or childhood issues might be um, another um subheading with the stories. So you can usually scan these very quickly, go right to the stories that apply to your world and see if any of them um really are about topics that you would like to um be interviewed about.
0: Yeah, Carol, um, I, I know about Harrow, help a reporter out. What are the other two?
1: Pitch rate, P I T C H, Capital R A T E, um that comes out, portrayed actually comes out three times most days, including Saturdays. And Reporters Connection. Reporters is apostrophe S connection. And that one is by Steve Harrison. So if you were to Google uh, any of those titles, Harrow, H A R O, all in capital letters, is how you see that. And that one I think I get twice a day also. If I were to do if I were to literally look at those newsletters every day, um, and even if I only found three stories a week to try to go after and pitch myself to be in those stories, that in itself would easily be ten to fifteen hours a week. I mean, it is—it is—they are incredibly rich and full lists of story ideas. Some some of these stories are big-time publications, Washington Post, Fortune Forbes Business Week, Parenting Magazine, Men's Health, Self Magazine. Um, Those staff members who are working for stories and looking for someone to interview, for them it's free just to create a listing that describes the slant of their story and get it covered in one or more of those newsletters so they will deliver hundreds and hundreds of story possibilities in numerous fields to your desk every day and the challenge i find is really in going through them and just reviewing them much less than creating the customized pitch for the ones that i decide to go after which typically t- takes an hour or more for me to you know I- I find boilerplates don't work in this environment. You really want to stand out from the crowd. So I typically write my pitch, reply by email back um, to the individual reporter with a pitch that directly addresses the topic that their story is going to be about. And that in itself usually takes me an hour each to write. Um, I may not be the quickest person in the world to do that stuff. Um because I'm kind of anal about it, but it can be a job in itself for you or a virtual assistant to stay on top of all of those opportunities, but it's just an incredibly rich um, source of information that changes every day. Many of the deadlines are only two or or three days ahead of time. Sometimes the deadline will be a week or more ahead of time, but more typically, the stories are on very tight deadlines. And I have, when I've been looking for people to interview for articles I'm writing, I have sometimes submitted a listing to each of the three of these, and I'll easily get 100 or 150 replies in the first hour as the reporter and be forced to quickly find the two or three that stand out from the crowd that I'm going to use, and everybody else gets trashed. So you really want to stand out from the crowd and get noticed, and it is a bit of a numbers game, but it's a great way to, completely free, um, get in- mention of your book popping up all over the place, and you can do that. You don't just do that when your book is new and fresh and being launched, but you can kind of jump on that train anytime you want if you're receiving those inbound emails um, you can start responding anytime you want whenever you've got a little bit of free time and see about getting some free publicity coverage for yourself. These three emails are also the, some of the same emails that most PR agencies receive that help them know where the story opportunities are for their clients. Um, plus, PR agencies have a couple of high-priced sources of the very same information that they subscribe to uh, that cost thousands of dollars a year Um, besides these free sources. Um, But they're very well known, they're legitimate, um, and definitely worth exploiting. You also um, probably want to talk about or, or approach the media about doing some bylined articles about your book or about your subject matter. So there's print media like magazines, blogger media, newsletter publishers in your industry, E-zine publishers in your industry. Any of them may be thrilled to get a bylined article by you. And by bylined, I mean you get credit for authoring the article, not the reporter who's on staff, not some reporter or journalist who's on staff at that publication. It's your byline, your name, you write the article, they'll edit it, they might shrink it down a little bit in their edits, change a few words, but you get the credit of it being your article. And publications are often looking for content, but they don't have the staff to write all the content themselves. So they welcome an opportunity from someone like you who's an expert in some part of of the material that they they cover for their readers um, in having you provide an article or a story for them. You might also want to write a series of articles that you just kind of have in the can, maybe four, five, six, seven, that kind of are the things you know the most about or the things that your clients or customers care most about uh, or need to know. Um, and just offer that short list of titles to the print and blogger media as well as the newsletter and e-zine publishers. In the first case I mentioned a minute ago when I was thinking when I was mentioning that you contact them about creating an article for them. In that case, they may give you an article assignment about the title they want your article to be about and the topic, the exact topic they want you to cover, or the exact angle you want to take. In the second case, where you write a series, a small series that you kind of put in the can and offer to people, you'd have your own short list of titles and you basically just market them and learn who might be interested in publishing any of them. Uh some of the folks who publish your articles might even want to pay you from twenty-five to two hundred and fifty dollars for accepting your article. So there could be some revenues, uh, as well as the poss- the uh, PR potential in um, working with publishers uh, on the scale of uh, doing articles. I'm looking at the clock, Judy, and I'm seeing that it's about five minutes. For the hour, and I'm wondering, I still have another 15 or 20 to go, but I'm wondering if I should stop here. What do you think?
0: Can you pick out maybe um, a couple of the, the best ones of the ones that remain?
1: Well, of the ones that remain, the next big category is repurposing your content. Um, by repurpose, I mean package it, take the same core concepts and content that your book is about, and just package it differently. Turn it into a webinar, seminars, articles we've already talked about, um, uh, podcasts to get uh, some audio versions of your content out there. Um, uh, let's see, speeches on your topics that you might, on your book topics that you might want to even list on one of your web pages and offer yourself as a a speaker on those topics. So that whole world of repurposing your content is just about being creative, workshops, classes, um, putting book-related content on your web pages, in your newsletter, in your blog posts. Use the core ideas of your content in as many different ways and forms and formats as possible. Um, and I guess that would that would be the big idea there that kind of summarizes the dozen or so specifics that I had in mind to mention if I hadn't run out of time.
0: Great. Well, Carol, thank you so much. You have packed so much information in this hour. I've got pages of notes. My hand is sore. (laughs) So I, I think you have helped our listeners greatly. I love some of your ideas from identifying your business goals, and not just identifying those goals, but determining how you're going to measure them and prioritizing them and how you're going to achieve them. It's not enough to just identify them. You have to do these other steps so that you get to where you want to go. And all of the advice you've given us for the ways that we can leverage our book for free Get greater visibility for ourselves, increase the number of prospects in our funnel, and, uh, and get more business.
1: Well, good. I hope I've forgiven. I hope everybody's come away, goes away with at least a couple new ideas that they can imagine themselves uh, doing easily. Because um, that's, sometimes that's all it takes. It's just a couple of new things added to the mix, and bingo. Important things happen.
0: Now, um, you had mentioned earlier your contact information. Can you repeat that for everybody?
1: Yes. Carol, C-A-R-O-L, at executiveauthors, authors is plural, dot com. If you want to go to the website, uh, com, I have a contact page there. Uh, if you remember the website name, but not mine, it's <laughs> another way. Um, the website also has an opt-in offer for uh, 77 book types that build your business and brand, where a couple dozen of the 77 are how-to books, but the other 50 of the 77 are other categories of book types that some of you might find of interest. And so you can sign up to join my opt-in list, and you'll immediately get that uh, list of 77 Book types that go beyond the how-to world, if you like, and of course, I'd like to repeat my offer to send anyone who wants to do
0: that as well.
1: Anyone who wants to email me for the how-to books list, I'm happy to send that. Uh, it'll take about ten days before it's ready to send, but I'll send it.
0: Terrific. Well, thank you so much for your time and for your wonderful advice. I want to remind our listeners that our next author teleseminar is coming up on October 16th. The speaker will be Rich Lucia, who will be covering a somewhat related topic on uh, business development through your book, um, but from a very different angle. So uh, please make sure you set aside the time for that. It's, again, at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on October 16th. Thanks again, Carol, and thanks for everybody who's been listening.
1: Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye.